The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, everyone. I'm Denise Colley, the president of the Braille Revival League. I want to welcome all of you here who are in the room. Let's hear a clap so I can sort of get an idea of how many are here. Want to welcome all of you on Zoom. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I thought we'd go around and just do a quick introduction, but do we have a mic runner? Hello, I'm Carla White, and I'm with Department of Veterans Affairs. Pat Sheehan, Department of Veterans Affairs. Jason Castingway from Manchester, Connecticut. Hey, Jason. Hi, Debbie Hazelton, Dothan, Alabama. Good morning, Debbie. King with Texas, Karen Itell. Karen. Lynn Corral, Olympia, Washington. Carla Hayes, McMurray, Pennsylvania. Diane Scalzi, St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Judy Dixon, Arlington, Virginia. Good morning, Peter Brass from Marburg, Germany. Kate Morse, Cincinnati, Ohio. Billy J. Guevara, Houston, Texas. Janice Thomas, Springfield, Illinois. Howard Thomas, Springfield, Illinois. Julie Brandon, Washington State. Nathan Brandon, Washington State. Hello, I am Christy Brasher and I'm from Sycamore, Illinois. Danielle Robinson, New York City. Marjorie Beeman. Hello, I'm Kim Charlson from Watertown, Massachusetts. And I'm Brian Charlson from the Department of Brian Charlson, Watertown, Massachusetts. Paul Edwards from Florida State. David Trott from New York. Actually, I'm from Alabama. I just figured you wouldn't recognize my accent. Rhonda Trott from Talladega, Alabama. I don't know how David ended up in New York. Steve Bauer, Culver City, California. This is Michael Alvarez from Portland, Oregon. I'm Ralph Smitherman from Brandon, Mississippi. And then we'll introduce those of us who are up here at the head table. When Actually, we actually have mics. And there's only three of us up here. <laughs> I'm Patty Slobby, Arcadia, Wisconsin. Good morning, everybody. Martin Abel Williamson from New Zealand, Dual Plant Union. And again, I'm Denise Colley from Richmond, Texas. And your chair. I thought I was going to do. So- I thought I would do something a little different this morning while you're eating. I want to find out who our absolute newest member is that's here. So, if you have been a member of BRL for six months or less, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you've been a member six months or less, and just a second, Zoom, I'll get to you guys. No hands? Nobody six months or less? Maybe in Zoom. All right. 
in Zoom. Do we have anybody on Zoom who's been a member of the Braille Reliable League for six months or less? Raise your hand, your Zoom hand. No one, Denise. No one. Oh, my goodness. All right. How about nine months or less? Anybody been a member for nine months or less? Okay, how about on Zoom? Do we have anybody who's been a member nine months or less? No, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. All right, how about a year or less? One year or less? Anybody in the room been a member one year or less? No, it doesn't sound like it. How about on Zoom? One year or less? No, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. Where are all of our new members? How about... What? Oh, yeah, it's probably. All right. How about two years or less? We have one. All right. Who's our one? And when did you join, Diane? <laughs> but you don't know which month? Okay. How about on Zoom? Two years or less? No, ma'am. Well, it looks like Diane's the winner. She's our newest member. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you guys eat a little bit, and then we'll get on with our program for this morning. So welcome, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Maria Kristich. I'm from Albany, New York. I don't actually remember when I when I became a BRL member. Um, I guess it was like, I don't know, a couple of years ago or something. But um, I uh, am the chair of the International Relations Committee. And I we had Martine have a lovely conversation with us yesterday. So looking forward to hearing what more she has to say today. So happy to be here. And uh, thank you. I will pass this on. Welcome, Maria. Thanks. Karen Campbell, Springfield, Illinois, co-chair of the SASE Committee, Sight and Sound Impaired. Yeah, an IBRL board member. Uh, good morning. Uh uh, Ray Campbell, Springfield, Illinois, second vice president, ACB, and among my, many of my other duties, treasurer for the Illinois Braille Revival League. Good morning, Susan Heidi, Baraboo, Wisconsin. Peter Heidi, Baraboo, Wisconsin, president of ACB, Wisconsin. Marcus Manning, Austin, Texas. Steve Heeson, Janesville, Wisconsin. I serve on the National Advocacy Services Committee, and I'm a board member of ACB Wisconsin. I'm Josiah Heeson from Janesville, Wisconsin. Albert Anderson from Chicago, Illinois, president of Illinois Braille Revival League. Welcome to Schaumburg. <laughs> and our alternate delegate this year for BRL. So thank you, Albert. Before yes, I introduce our speaker for this morning, can we get a microphone to Paul Edwards to entice us about what's going to happen this afternoon at our sessions? Good morning, everyone. Hey. Uh, there, mm -hmm. there is a there is a little message in in the newspaper um, that came out this morning. But if you if y'all haven't seen it, 
in Schaumburg C, that is C is in Ow. at Aww. one o'clock. My kitty. <laughs> yes. Um, we, we will be holding a session that will be taking a look with folks from APH and also from Humanware at the new Monarch. And they will tell us all about how it works and, and what it's going to be used for. And perhaps even give us a chance to at least put our hands on it. And then in the second session, we are going to be looking at uh, at all things, um, all things like the 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 new reader that is being developed by Orbit Research, and so we'll also get an opportunity to look at some of their graphics devices as well, or at least talk about them. So we're looking forward to having as many of you as can join us starting at one o'clock for our BRL program. Thank you. And unfortunately, we aren't hybrid this year for our program. So you guys on Zoom aren't going to get to hear us, but we know it'll be podcast. So watch for the podcast because I know it's going to be a good program and and we're going to want everybody to hear it. Well, yesterday morning, we got to hear from our international ACB's international guest to convention. And she shared with us a little bit at that time. And we're very delighted this morning to have with us Martine Abel Williamson from Auckland, New Zealand. Um, she is president of the World Blind Union. Might tell us a little bit about that. Um, she actually is, is originally from Africa and moved to Auckland, New Zealand in 1996. And so if you've detected a bit of an accent, that's that's why. Um, she said she came because her sister and her brother-in-law, um, they were uh, short of teachers and they came to um, New Zealand to teach. And so the rest of the family came with them. And so please help me welcome, give a big ACB welcome to Martine Abel Williamson. Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to have breakfast here with you. I'll talk a little bit about my own situation and Braille, and then I'll tell you, um, people have asked about the situation of Braille in New Zealand. So um, I was born with a, a retinal condition and at the age of six was diagnosed as nearly totally blind. I could see colors up to the age of about 20, but then I got glaucoma as well, secondary glaucoma, and that basically took away uh, my color perception. But I always walked with a guide dog or a cane so my sight was never as such my color perception was never as such that it really was uh, extraordinarily functional apart from when I looked at say toys or clothes so I learned braille from the age of five and to me it was all that I that there was and it, it so it was always dear to my heart but I fortunately never had to make a decision like it is sometimes when people lose their sight later on and I know that there are some, I'm not sure about in the States, but in New Zealand, there are sometimes some unwillingness or some hesitancy around, oh, um, how much do we let the child use the low vision to read? And up to what point is it becoming um, so unproductive that if they want uh, employment, they actually need to either go to speech or Braille or both rather than um, lumbering along with, with large print if it's not very um, 
a constructive. So, uh, and there are some places in New Zealand where young people have told us that they wanted to learn Braille as, as children or teenagers, but they were advised against. So we, we're working a lot around, um, it's a small country, only about 5 million people. So um, our resource teacher's vision, which you probably have an equivalent here, travel from school to school because most children go to a mainstream schools and then the children learn Braille and O&M skills and other things alongside the usual curriculum. Um, and of course, computers with speech and everything. So one hopes that um, with, with Braille, you know, it's not just seen as, oh, I have to walk around with a big book of Braille, but having a computer, which is cooler and sexy and, and more portable. So we're looking at some of that, trying to encourage more um, young people to bother with Braille if they start to lose their sight. So, um, and at this, at this stage, I want to pay a bit of a tribute to my uh, my mum. She was, I don't think she knew a blind person until she, uh, until I came into her life. And when, um, when I went at the age of five to school, because it was a school for the blind, she had to send me to live in a local hostel because we lived about 2,000 kilometers away. So we moved from Namibia to South Africa, where I went to the um, school for the blind. So she would send me and I would go home four times a year. And for the first year, she would send me letters on cassette on tape because she always felt that um, some people send their child letters in print, but the teachers always got to read it, which is fine, you know, but she wanted me to, to hear her voice. And when she realized I'm starting to learn Braille, she bought a Perkins. At the time, it was 91 rand, 95 cents in, <laughs> in the late 70s. And uh, she taught herself Braille. And she decided that, yep, she's going to write to me and I'm going to read my own letters and I will write to her. And that is why I want to say that she always, she really normalized Braille. For her, it was, well, she's got to learn it and she's got to um, help me with Braille labels and Braille recipes. Um, and she was always sighted and a single parent, so very busy with me and my sister and having two jobs. And I think so I was always very, very pride. And she always, um, you know, uh, bought me, I think at the age of six, she bought, she bought me all the games that there were. And she said, even if you're a bit young for some, we'll get into it. You know, Monopoly, Scrabble, chess, everything. Because she said, you will, we go on holidays and you're not, you're not going to just sit and listen to your music on a cassette recorder. If we're going to play cards or, or dominoes or something, we're going to do it with your set so that you're included from, from day one. Um, she, um, she was also a very good seamstress, um, you know, only as a volunteer, not, not, not for pay, but so she would make my, um, clothes, she would make jewelry, the jewelry I've got on today, um, the necklace she, she made, um, and she would incorporate Braille later on, on some of it. So I think she really took Braille for me to that aesthetic level. It's not just a practical You'll do it to survive in the world and to get educated, but look, it can look nice on a clothes and it can um, help you with labels and, and all sorts. So um, 
she i once wrote her um about three years ago about 10 years ago she was diagnosed with dementia and because we couldn't visit her over COVID, by the time we could see her again two years ago she forgot about us so she lives a kilometer away from me but she doesn't um recognize me any longer uh, me or my sister so i always talk about a tribute not as if she's not as if she's she's dead but i still feel that there's so much that um that we can try and encourage parents and family of blind people to do. Um, so as I grew up, so Braille was very important for me and through my education and tertiary studies, um, I use a, I still got an old, you won't believe, I've, I've got a Braille Sense Mini. And I think, and, and to me, it's it's going very well, but many people say to me, oh my word, it's, it's a bit old now. But anyway, I tend to, I used, I used a Braille light. I don't know how many of you knew the Braille light. <laughs> I used the Braille light until 10 years ago. So I think I had a museum piece that was working. And the only reason it died is because um, the battery level got to such a point every time I put a battery replacement and it lasted for about um, a week and then, and I was like, no, I've got to move into the 20th century or the 21st century. And then I got a Braille Sense Mini and now all my friends go to me, oh, you know that there was the Polaris and there's now something else and there's now, and I'm like, hang on, this thing is not broken yet. I will just need to go with it. It's, it's my dinosaur, but it's still working very well. <laughs> um, in New Zealand, so I already talked a little bit about people using a Braille there. Um, and so it's, People are the braille users are very keen. We do not have, we've got special interest branches, which is a bit like your affiliate. So blind citizens in New Zealand would have a guide dog users network, or um, and we're just in the process of setting up um, a, a braille network because first we thought, is it just going to duplicate? But uh, some of our members did say to us that we've got an email list and some social media lists to do with braille. And they want to liaise more with each other about Braille and supporting new learners. Um, because let's face it, many people who do learn Braille later on in life um, can sometimes find it hard to start a whole new system of learning and adjusting quite difficult. So we need that peer support. Otherwise, people often just don't, don't bother. Um, and, you know, so we are promoting Braille. We're using um, UEB, U, um Oh, what is unified English Braille? Um, most people in New Zealand still use Nemeth for maths. I, I I grew up because I grew up in South Africa. We used the UK system for maths. So I, when I came to New Zealand, I was like, oh my word, I knew nothing about Nemeth. So, and now of course with UEB, it's a bit um, going back to um, for to the UEB style. So we got people sometimes doing their their own thing. And I think most of us with hybrid, if you would read my notes here, um, which I think would probably be quite um, disorganized because it's just for myself, I think there's a mixture of good old-fashioned um, UK contracted Braille. Sometimes there's some um, short forms which is actually just made up. Like I'm not going to write association. You know, I write so or something. And I know that if I read so, so I think – so many of us have our own private form of Braille. And as long as it works for us, you know, in the end, that is um, that's for us to work. 
Um, so that is what I like about Braille, apart from the proper codes, is we can actually, um, whatever you want to say or write, like any code, you can make it work for yourself. Um, I don't want to talk too long because I, I'm keen to see if there's any questions. And I also realize that, um, you know, people will, um, I'm not sure how our timing's going. But so I told you a little bit about Braille in New Zealand. Yesterday, I talked about Braille at the World Braille Council and the last yesterday afternoon about Braille in other parts of the world and um, some of my other international tasks. So I'll stop here and see if there are anything people need clarifying on or if there's any questions. Thank you very much again for inviting me. Okay. <clears throat> what we are going to do is because the people in Zoom didn't get to be here in the room. We're going to let them go first. All right, Jeanette, go ahead. Good morning. If you had one piece of advice for uh, people who are new to blindness, getting involved in the World Blind Union or in New Zealand or any other country that you visit, and they felt that they were not getting the Braille services they wanted, what would your piece of advice to them be? Our collective role is much stronger than we actually realize. I would say to people, don't go through any struggle on your own. There's peers around you. And if you'd find at first that those people are not supportive, there are others. So find it because it's our collective role together. We will help one another. So um, find peers. Don't go through the struggle of being blind and having to adjust on your own. It's not worth it. It's too much energy. Do we have a question in the room? Good morning, or you might say Chiara uh, Martin. Uh, no, my question is actually, is there or has there been developed a Braille code in the Maori language? Kia um, Yeah, uh, there is not a contracted Maori Braille system, apart from WH, um, which is actually WH um, in, in, in English 156, one, um, because in the Maori alphabet, not all the alphabet is used. So the, the ordinary Braille alphabet is used where it, where it can. Some of the vowels that are long, there's a sign like almost like a umlaut, uh, we call it Macron. If you, if you see that sign, which is four, five, six, in front of, say, an A or an O or a U, it makes the vowel longer. So say, for instance, um, I say Haka, H-A-K-A, -A, then it's Haka. If I want to make one of the vowels longer, I put a Macron in front of it, and it will be, say, Haka or Haka. And then WH is often pronounced, they don't have the F, the actual F in Maori, but they pronounce the WH that looks like WH as F. Yes. So a word like um, like Fano, which is family, is spelled W-H-A-N-A-U, Fano. And many people would who are new to Maori would read Wano, but they will soon remind you that WH, which is then dot one five six, is um, is pronounced is pronounced F. And so there's much cultural buyer now, political buyer now, to make um, Maori, to make Braille more accessible um, and available to Maori kids because there's more, there's a more direction now 
for people to reclaim their language. You know, there used to be a lot of in a lot of colonial language uh, countries. Um, you had to change to English. So there's still a lot of people that I've got many issues about that, as is in many countries. And now that kids are younger, they put them in immersion schools where you that you talk Maori all the time. So that's the best way. Instead of just saying, oh, from 10 till 11, we have a Maori class. But, you know, so that is where Maori Braille is now coming in, uh, which is really great. Good morning. This is Steve Bauer from Los Angeles. Uh, thanks for joining us, Martine. It's been fascinating. This is a long shot, but since you're from New Zealand, I'm going to ask about an Australian thing. Back in the mid-80s, um, there was a, and I can't think of her name, but she was from an organization called the Women's Braille Press, and they had someone called BUOC, Braille User Oriented Code. Uh, I used that for many years until the early 2000s when I started teaching Braille, and I realized if I was going to teach Braille, I had to stop using all my weird contractions, or I would forget and start teaching my students that. I lost the book over, but but it's a great code, and I thought I would just take on like crazy until I realized all the gnashing of teeth over changing to to uh, UEB. I realized that's never going to happen, but I'd love to use it myself. Are you aware of this by any chance? And if so, is there any way to get a hold of a copy of her uh, contraction list? Because it was fantastic. There were some great ones in there. I don't know about that one, but I know that we um, in New Zealand and in Australia have got brand new Braille teaching courses, and these great checklists of all those contractions that you don't have to find them one by one. Um, we still use some cheat sheets too. Remember, um, what is the one for um, dot four five? Upon my word, whose are these and those? You guys know that one. And uh, what is it dot four, four five six one? Who something about their spirit or something? But in any way, no, look, so that system you talked about is probably still in existence, but there are so many new ones, and I'm sure that um that that you know we can stay in touch and that there'll be those those listings of of um of of, of the contractions also because that's always the thing people say once you do uncontracted braille, it's great, but how do you just have something that you quickly wonder about mother or much or never or things like that? So, so there are newer systems with equally good lists like that. Okay. Martine, good morning. This is uh, <clears throat> Ray Campbell from Springfield, Illinois. And uh, my question to you is uh, coming from another part of the world what what advice would you give to those of us in this country and in this affiliate especially who are advocates for braille to keep braille alive in the 21st century with all the technology that we have you know when the orbit reader came out and people decided to disrupt the expensive um refreshable braille market that was huge. And I'm not just saying it because as World Blind Union, we participated, there were its hiccups with that. But since then, there's been cheaper uh, models from India, China, etc. I think cost can still be prohibitive because we've got the most greatest equipment. And the more um, um, sophisticated we get, still will there be enough um, sponsorship. So I think... I think funding can be a um, a barrier. So uh, hopefully, when we when we liaise with 
our peers who are learning Braille and encourage them to use technology, but also keep on feeding back to us what can we all do to make devices more affordable, because I think otherwise we'll always have still people in other countries using the Satan stylus. When those of us here, I may have my Braille mini um, dinosaur, but you know, for many people that will be extraordinarily modern. So there's still um, there's still a bit of a difference be between people's socioeconomical classes and circumstances. And I would like to see us all work more together so that we know whether it's maths, whether it's music, uh, how, what can we do to have more equipment available? I'm also worried, and I think the DAISY Braille Project Music is picking up on this, there are fewer teachers that can teach Braille music and can do trans transcribing of Braille music. Um, many of the teachers that we have are getting on and getting older. And so I was hoping too that when we encourage people to study, whether it's fellow blind people or whether it's sighted people, uh, we have to encourage that people still be able to teach things such as Braille music. Sheila, any hands in Zoom? You do, Teresa. Oh, Martine, I wish I your mother had been my mother. Um, I taught her a little bit of Braille, but the one who really uh, took up on it in my family was my older sister. And um, just a comment, when she was a freshman in college, she was uh, living away from home, attending college that year. And she would write, I was in a school for the blind and she would write me letters and I'm like, who wrote this letter? It's, you know, it's in grade one Braille. And then when she would say something, I'd realize, oh, that was, you know, my sister. Um, but um, my son, my oldest son, especially, we were living in a high rise for a little while and there were um, numbers on the elevators and they were in Braille. And um, he got to uh, study the Braille a little bit. And one year at Christmas time, he and his brother gave me uh, some albums for Christmas and they were wrapped up, of course, in wrapping paper. And he's like, feel down on here, mom. I said, well, what? This is, I'm opening it up. He said, no, feel down, you know, in the corner. He had taken a sticky label and he wrote, um, one of them did anyway, from Jason and Zach. And, oh. and, um, what was I said how did you all do that and they said with your braille writer I said no but how did you know what to write and <laughs> they said they said we looked it up on the internet and I was just uh -huh. so I wish I'd saved that wrapping paper because that really touched me but um I'm wondering um uh, my question is uh what types of periodicals do they uh receive do um blind people in New Zealand who want to read it in braille what kind what can they uh have made available to them you know we have um magazine section here in NLS Teresa Teresa can we just let's just yeah. get to okay. the question please well that that's my question the periodicals okay yes that's a bit technical for me <laughs> Um, I came to New Zealand as an adult Braille user, and as I already said, I think I've got my own hybrid um, code. Um, so not having gone through the system um, and not going that, I'm not quite sure. I'm sure the answer is easily, you know, discoverable, but um, I don't want to help you. I don't want to give you the incorrect information. She's too busy to read periodicals. <laughs> 
Okay, do we have another question in the room? This is Steve Heeson from Janesville, Wisconsin. And hope you don't mind indulging me for just a second. Um, we have five kids and our 10 year or 11 year old Matthew just finished third in the Braille Challenge finals. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. And ACD Wisconsin was a big support and we really appreciate that. My question is the, the United States and UK and Canada are there were 837 participants in those three countries and i'm wondering if new zealand has heard of the braille challenge or if they're thinking about participating in the future um we'd love to see new zealand be a part of it oh thank you i know that our braille authority of new zealand aotearoa when they were still the braille authority of new zealand uh, used to subscribe as a member of a banner and there was a lot of uh, cross-pollinization with information and competitions and things. At the moment, locally in New Zealand, we do have competition for children. And um, and I know internationally, we've got the Japanese Onkyo Essay con um, Contest for Blind People across the world. So we are doing that, but I'm sure that if we stay in touch, we could actually between your organization and what we're doing, participate um, more and share these opportunities more. And because it's always nicer to have a bigger pool, especially with competition. So thank you for making that suggestion. And please do reach out to us so that we don't um, just have it as an idea, but do something practical about it. Yes, this is Carla Hayes of McMurray, Pennsylvania. And um, the question that I have is, um, is there an equivalent in New Zealand, and also I've always been curious about UEB, of grade three Braille? I know it got me all the way. We didn't have note takers when I was in school and college. And so I taught myself grade three. And, um, you know, it was an extension of grade two. And I just want your thoughts about grade three Braille. Thank you. You know, when you said grade three Braille, I thought you talk about computer Braille. So I probably just never heard of, of grade three Braille. So I'm very tempted. I'll go and find out about it I um, so I can't say totally with exactness no but personally I went um, my whole life with grade two and then as I said my own shortened version and then later on until the computerized um, version turned up so thank you for educating me about something else I'm probably unaware of okay um I heard y'all mention money braille. I have one from years ago. I haven't seen it since. That was maybe back in the early 90s that I got mine. I'd like to know where you get them because... Okay, okay, thank you. Well, that took care of that question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ask more. Judy. She knows everything. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Uh, my question is a, a personal one for you. Um, do you remember what your first Braille book was? And if you don't, do you have a favorite Braille book? I've got a, fo I've got a photo, a framed photo of me reading my first Braille book. Um, there's a small little Afrikaans book, and there were two kids in it called Linenrin. And there was, it was a little, there was, it's about, um, 20 or so pages, small booklet, A5 size. And um, and there was a few a few in that series. And I, I really loved it. Um, 
and I and but if I think of my favorite my favorite books to read um you know there were so many through the years because before I got into talking books and audio books I really loved sitting on the plane or wherever with with a braille book so um I I don't really have a favorite there are just so many that I that I that I that I got into um but yeah I definitely remember my uh my, my first book and, and still have got a um photographic evidence of me reading it <laughs> that you'll always remember. Martine, this is Diane from St. Clair Shores, Michigan. And um, I'm wondering what your library system is like in New Zealand, your Braille library. We have, um, of course, a specialized library at the Blind Low Vision. Um, it's the only special that is two um, libraries. There is one through the school system called Blind Low Vision Education. They do most of the Braille production for New Zealand. They produce all the exams, um, educational curriculum. And in the Blind Low Vision, which mainly deal with services for adults, deal with what I would call personal Braille and importing of books. So if I wanted to read a book, I'll contact them. If I wanted a book for a child, I'll contact uh, Blends, the other specialized library. And if, for instance, um, I want notes to take to a conference, um, I would contact Blind Low Vision and it would be like a personal brow request that they were put through to me. That library deals with uh, talking books, especially now with the Marrakesh Treaty. There's hundreds and thousands of books e, um, that people can now just either download through the library or not even through the library. If, if you signed up as a supplementary agreement, you could just get a code through your library and just go on the global book service and just find find whichever book you want or music text or, or whatever. Our challenge in our libraries are when there's personal brow requests, those are not always catalogued and kept. And it's not as if one say, well, you know, if you've got marriage vows, you want those kept because it's a personal thing. But sometimes, for instance, if someone says there's a, par a party of people going to a restaurant, can they print a menu? You actually want that menu not just to be available to that special event. You want to actually say to the restaurant, as long as um, the prices are fairly similar, do you want to hold on to and use these menus? So, yes, it's our libraries deal with... Um, specialized formats with tactile graphics, um, not quite as yet with 3D and on say when I visited their library, they their kids and, and for instance, when people study say physiotherapy, they would do a lot of 3D printing and say to people, this is what some of the bones or muscles and so on look like. When I visited them, they gave me this present. I'm quite a Game of Thrones fan. And they gave me a throne the throne of games of thrones printed in 3D. So you get all the different, the tactile of how all the swords, you know, how it's made of um, heaps of interlinking swords, how that came out. So I'm still very impressed with how 3D can um, really enhance our tactile experience. Martine, I, I have a question for you. This is Ralph Smitherman. When you were growing up, what type of card games did you play? You mentioned that. Playing with your, I'm a games person, so I was just interested in what type of games you would play. Um, the specialized ones were things like what, Uno, Happy Families, Fish, those ones. And then the, the more traditional ones were lots of Rummy, um, Canasta, which was uh -huh. difficult, 
um, uh, lots of last card. I think you guys call it something else. Um, um, when I had to keep myself busy, I got told to do the, more of the, so, the solitaire versions of stuff. Patience. Oh, look, I could I could play cards all day. Okay. <laughs> so there, see, you could, you guys could play cards together. <laughs> well, I want to thank every. Let, first of all, let's give Martine a big sure. hand. I want to thank every one of you who have been who participated this morning. I think this has been a, a very educational se session, and we've learned a lot about Braille in New Zealand. And uh, I want to remind everybody to be back in Schaumburg C at 1 p.m. for our Braille Revival League program. And thank you all in Zoom who joined us this morning. We wish you could be have been here, but hopefully you'll be able to come next year when we're in Jacksonville. And so that brings us to the end of the breakfast. And you're all welcome to go on to general session. <laughs>